It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training. Well, I will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available. And not only just bring them on, but to develop relationships with them that build into know, like, and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire. You'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience. Go to podcastingheroes.com. It's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-I-N-G-H-E-R-O-E-S.com. Kevin Stock, welcome to the show. Welcome to Become your own superhero. Hey, thanks for having me. Excited to chat. Long time coming, uh, Kevin. For me, I feel like I've known you my whole carnivore life, <laughs> which is uh, coming into my third anniversary of uh, be in August of 2021. That's a big accomplishment right there. Three years. I know, right? I know. I feel like uh, a stalwart in the <laughs> this, this amazing. You're, you're, an o- you're an OG. <laughs> Well, I want to know uh, how long how long have you been living this lifestyle, this carnival diet lifestyle? I started eating only meat in about mid twenty seventeen, so it's been a number of years. Before that, I mean, I've been in health and fitness uh, and kind of like a health and fitness kind of nut for most of my career, most of my before my career as a you know a young adult. Uh, even adolescent, it's kind of been the one driving passion of my life. So in that regard, 20 plus years, but for the first 20 years were, I say health and fitness, but it was really more fitness geared. I was an overweight kid and I basically spent 20 years trying to figure out body composition, how to build muscle, how to lose weight, how to get the body I wanted doing every crazy diet experiment you could imagine. Uh, and after 20 years or so, 15 plus years, you know, I figured out how to get the body. I wanted to correct like the fitness code, but I was missing the health code. So, you know, while I looked like I wanted to look, I didn't feel like I wanted to feel. And I took a lot of the research I'd done in the past, you know, funneling things through the sciences. I'm really kind of like a science guy I've studied, got degrees in chemistry and biology, went to dental school, really funneled all the sciences that I learned through health and fitness, really fitness. Uh, and then I went back and through the sciences and which led me to removing first some plant-based foods, then all plant-based foods and just eating mostly, mostly meat. And for the first time in my life, really in that health journey, eating significant amounts of red meat. Uh, so it seemed like a small dietary change, you know, but it was actually quite dramatic. I went from eating basically little to no red meat to eating only red meat and eating lots of vegetables to eating no vegetables. So, so, uh, yeah, that's kind of a quick overview of the journey. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I've never felt better, uh, and my body composition, I I say like the meat-based carnivore diet, you can have your steak and eat it too. You can get the body you want and you can get the health you want. Uh, and it's like, I believe probably the only way you can have both those things. It's that's exactly how I feel. And I'm so glad you said that. And, and to give people some context, because like you just sort of glossed over there, Kevin, you're a very qualified dentist uh, who also specializes in, in sleep apnea and uh, which is something we can talk about in a minute. Cause I, sure. 
went and got the sleep apnea snoring surgery about 12 years ago uh, where they lasered out my throat and uvula and drilled out yep. my nostrils. Okay, uh, you had the works done. I had the works, yeah. And uh, with the benefit of retrospect, <laughs> maybe if I just cut out the cigarettes, the alcohol and the excess weight with the carbohydrates, maybe it would have been okay. What that would have been a that? good. That have been a good first step. I mean, it sounds like you had U triple P surgery, which is one of the common ones, and man, that can be painful. Um, and you know, effectiveness is kind of up in the air for a lot of people. So, yeah, that would have been my first recommendation. Well, but you you reference the pain, Kevin, and I love using this analogy. I reference the pain being so significant that it might be the pain that you would experience if you gave a lightning bolt a blowjob. <laughs> and uh it was uh, you know uh, quite quite ironically it was probably the, one of the first times i'd been in ketosis for a long time because i couldn't eat anything uh i yeah. had seven days of work and i lost 10 kilos so 22 pounds whoa and um because i literally was like melting ice blocks or whatever you call icy poles or whatever on my yep. lip and sort of letting it go down but even then, I couldn't. I couldn't do a lot, and and I think that's a, maybe a good place to to start because sleep apnea is something that affects a huge amount of people, and that includes snoring in any capacity as well. So, what what's some basic uh, advice that you would give for people that are maybe experiencing something similar? Yeah, so I think it's kind of important to know basically what's going on, and to, we can just overly simplify things. But generally, what's going on is you have a throat that you breathe breathe through. And sleep apnea or snoring, we could, we'll talk about both um, because really you can you can visualize it on on a continuum. But you have this throat that you breathe through, and sleep apnea, a real obstruction, means that throat is closed off. There's no air coming through, so you're basically suffocating. And this happens to people uh, not only many times a night, but many times an hour. So if that happens zero or I'm sorry, uh, fifteen times an hour, that's considered fifteen to thirty is considered moderate. Uh, sleep apnea 30 and above is considered, considered severe sleep apnea. That's 30 times an hour that that airway is shutting down to such a degree that either no air is going through or such a minimal amount of air is going through. It's causing your blood oxygen to drop. So basically you're getting obstruction in the airway and it has really become extremely prevalent today, mostly because of what you, you alluded to. There's various things that are causing inflammation in the throat that can, that can, you know, basically make the a big open throat smaller, like you said, smoking that cause inflammation, shrink the airway. Um, a lot of it has to do with it being overweight. Uh, yeah. So you get fatty deposits in your tongue. And if you look at a tongue, like in the mouth, if you're to cut the head open sideways and look at the tongue, the tongue is like this really large muscle and it can deposit significant amounts of fat and that imp impedes on the size of the airway. And so a lot of people are getting you know, depositing fat in the tongue, their neck is real big, the airway shrinking and that collapsing of the airway leads to snoring, which is on one end of the spectrum. Uh, and, you know, severe obstructive sleep apnea on the other end of the spectrum. Is that why Kevin, that uh, some severely obese people develop lisps or sort of mini speech impediments that do regress once they lose the weight? It can, it can definitely be a contributing factor uh, because you're like the tongue is not meant to be like a big fat bearing tissue. <laughs> it's, it's really a muscle that we, we use to articulate. Um, yeah. And so when you 
you know, you put a bunch of fat in there, it's not able to have the mobility and articulation that it would be with that, you know, a, a good, lean, strong tongue. <laughs> well, the, uh, the, the, the comparison through DEXA scan uh, that I got when I first quit um, refined carbohydrate, and I'm so glad that I did this. And then I quit alcohol. So I'll be celebrating my fifth year of sobriety, August 26th right. this year, which is the release date of the book, Bet on You, folks, for all interested in an amazing memoir that's going to blow your head off. I'm looking and- forward to it. <laughs> well, I'll uh, I'll send you a copy signed. Don't you worry about that, Kevin. Okay. At least I could do. But the um, I've lost 60 pounds of body fat and I've put on about nearly 30 pounds of muscle. And and my whole physicality is just like I look like a different person, and That's huge body recomposition, isn't it? Right, and and so uh, in the first three months of just removing the refined carbohydrate because I was non celiac, um, gluten intolerant, horrendously, which triggered an autoimmune disease that I had for seventeen years in the form of GERD. Right, but I lost three and a half kilos of visceral fat around my organs in three months when I cut it out. And and so that's coming out of my tongue as well, yeah. Yep, sure is. And what you like mentioned there briefly, which is I think super important and incredible to think about, is we can treat our bodies like crap for years, decades, and it has an amazing ability to heal itself. And all people have to do is let the body give it a chance to heal itself, to and then be fed and nursed like it should be. Uh, and it does remarkable things like losing 60 pounds of fat, excess fat and building 30 pounds of lean body mass. Like that is like staggering. And it does that relatively quickly. If you think about it on the time scale of how many years went into putting on all that fat and like the body's an amazing thing and it's very resilient, but, uh, yeah, most people would be good to let it do some healing. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's a really good point, Kevin. And, and um, I, I haven't been smashing the gym. I've had periods where I've gone into the gym and experimented doing some raw bench press just to see what it's like. And I did enter one competition, but I, I didn't really prepare. I'm not as diligent at uh, at staying at task like you are, which we'll talk about some other stuff later on. But um, my body has sort of reached a homeostatic place. I'm carrying a little bit more weight than what I would um, than what I would like. And I have some goals to cut that down. And and that has been underpinned by 48 days of no sugar. Sugar for me was a real challenge. Emotional eating, uh, after giving up all the other stuff, drinking and drugs and gambling, like sugar was just the, the thing. But I'm very, very happy to be able to stand in front of you and say it's nearly long enough now that I'm, well, I feel really confident that I've beaten it finally. Yep. And yep. my body's starting to, you know, re- recomposition itself. Because when I would binge, I would destroy like a liter of ice cream in a go, sometimes a liter and a half, sometimes two. And, you know, just you just can't get away with that kind of thing when you're eating as many other calories in the form of uh, fat and protein. So uh, I suppose a question for you, Kevin, is people that are battling with the sugar craving side of a low-carb or carnival diet, do you have any advice? Yeah, I used to be – I used to have advice that was – that I – few things I've changed since, you know, originally writing, you know, I wrote a guide on how to do the carnivore diet late 2017, basically how I did it, how basically what the research, et cetera, et cetera. And most things have been consistent, but one thing I have changed is this thing that you're talking about 
regarding how to get into it. And I used to think everyone was like me, kind of like a type A personality. The only way you're going to beat this is give it all up, rip the bandaid off. Don't slowly tip into the pool, jump right in, get used to it that way. Now I have amended this belief. I think there's two paths for that that can work for for some people kind of like me that just like to dive all in. I kind of have an addictive personality. I don't like to kind of like do anything halfway. It sounds like you're very much like that too. <laughs> for me and for those kind of personalities, I think ripping the bandaid off, look, let's get 30 days under our belt. Let's get 90 days under our belt and then evaluate from there. Cause a lot of times that's what it takes to crush that craving. Now, what I've learned is there's other people that do much better with moderation than I do. And at the same time, the thing, the thought for them of going all in only eating meat is so like crazy that they do nothing. And so for another, you know, personality type, I'll call it, but really just, you know, how someone wants to live their life. You can get a lot of the benefits. Dare I say all the benefits of a carnivore diet by still including some of your favorite foods and making it work in your life. And so a lot of times that means, look, we're going to reduce a lot of these plant-based foods, increase a lot of the meat-based foods, um, but in a way that's going to work for your life. And you can tiptoe in and it can work for you. So that's one of one place where I've really changed my approach for certain people. And that's where it's like, not everyone fits into the same bucket and what works for some person might not work for another person. Uh, so I used to think, like I said, ripping the bandaid off was a way to go get rid of all the plant-based foods, get rid of all the sugar. And for certain people like myself, it sounds like you, that's a way to beat a craving for other people that do better with moderation. But if they take, let's just say they have a little bit of a sweet tooth for chocolate or whatever. I, I know that cause my girlfriend, like she likes to have, have her chocolate. If I told her like, look, no more chocolate, you can't have it. The chi- like the there's that's failure before we even start. Yeah. So, yeah. so there is different approaches. Uh, I think that can work and it's kind of like, um, you know, you're talking about alcohol, alcoholism, it's similar kind of addiction, but there are people Lots of people that can go out and have a couple of beers here and there, and they're totally, you know, they're not going to get addicted. But there's other people that have deepened alcoholism where one beer leads to another beer, leads to another beer, leads, leads to relapse. And so there's a point, there's, I think there's like a self-awareness that needs to be had around that. Yeah, it's a really brilliant point, uh, Kevin. It sounds like you, you've developed uh, significant amounts of empathy, Um which seems to be a beautiful byproduct of eating and being healthy because I've certainly become way more empathetic. I'm not, I'm less sympathetic, I think, but I'm, I do, I can empathize a lot more. I don't tolerate bullshit. Don't get me wrong. I'm, but, uh, I'm right there with you. So yeah. that's how I, that's kind of my MO. And, um, and I, I had another question, but it's gone. But I, the one that I really wanted to ask you was uh, over the last, Three years, Kevin, I have been the most productive human being on the planet versus my former life. And I would really love to know, because I think people think that I'm an anomaly and I think they think that I'm just a freak. But I want to know what has improved in your life since you've been doing this? So it's it's a great question. And what I think a lot of people don't know maybe about my backstory is I was so focused basically on fitness side of health and fitness for so long and 
understanding all the science and whatever, how do, how can you create the body you want? Cause that's why a lot of people, you're a national do- physique competitor as well. Yeah, I was. And I, I mean, I don't do, I, I don't do competitions right now, at least, you know, some people are like, and, and you looked and you looked unbelievable for those. And, and we'll put the links to your website and stuff so that people can check out what you look like. Cause it was, it was very impressive anyway. Thank you. Well, there, so a consequence, the reason I got into the only reason I'm here talking with you today is because I did not feel like I was fulfilling my potential in the mental space. Meaning like, I liked how I looked and things like that, but I'm the kind of person like I have like, like this burning desire that I want, I have like a potential and I need to fill it. And my brain was not, and my, I, I wasn't able to produce like I'm drinking a gallon of coffee a day just to try and stay awake through the afternoons and get done what I want to do. And I have all these big dreams that I want to go after. But if my mental and like my stamina, my daily energy and vitality isn't there, like it's not happening. So that's actually what brought me to the carnivore diet ultimately was I figured out how to get fitness and get the body I want. And I was like, I don't have this health part figured out yet because I'm not like vibrant and full energy yet. How do I get that? And I went back through a lot of the research and, you know, I, I, I was familiar with phytotoxins and anti-nutrients and things, but I had not really taken them seriously. So that's when I started taking them out. And while I was taking those out, I knew I couldn't just live on lean chicken breast. So I started eating red meat for the first in any significant quantities. And by pulling those two levers, I got the mental performance that I was after. And I just felt so great. I felt alive. My sleep was good. I woke up and I was like, boom, I'm up ready to tackle the day. Um, and yeah, if I look back since I, you know, that time, like what, what have I done since then? It's like, I got, I've gotten a lot accomplished in the last just few years. And I've always kind of been kind of like an ambitious person wanting to get a lot done, but it's like, it's gone to another level. It's like, uh, yeah. So uh, people think I'm Mr. Like ADHD, like always going, always going, always going. But I, I mean, for me, that's like, that's, that's, that's life. That's like, that's what I want. Uh, I want to be on going on all cylinders all day, every day. <laughs> the the list of your achievements uh, is extraordinary. And I have to be careful, I must admit, to not compare myself to you. And I know Jordan Peterson talks about we should can never compare ourselves to anyone apart from the person we were the day before. Because if I when like I that. we compare ourselves to other people, like the stuff that you've been doing and and uh, for people listening uh, or watching, you need to subscribe to uh, Kevin's amazing weekly uh, blog post or his newsletter. And and I've been a religious um, reader of that for as long as I can remember. And there's always something going on. And, uh, you know, you're, you've got these challenges that you set yourself to learn how to sing and to sketch and to whatever else, like... What, what's the main one that's happening in your life right now? Yeah. So first of all, thank you. I started actually writing the weekly newsletter as a way to like hold myself accountable. I started writing this newsletter and there's like 10 readers, right? And the whole reason I wanted to write it was it was just going to be seven things because it's called the Saturday seven. There's going to be seven things like either this is something I created and I'm going to share uh, something valuable I can give to someone else, something something I learned, but it's going to hold me accountable to either learning or creating seven things every single week and sharing that with other people. Uh, and that's what that was the origins of the newsletter. Uh, but yeah, so I've been doing these yearly challenges for a long time. And 
New Year's resolutions kind of get a bad rap because most people give up on them in the first month. I think it's like 90 something percent, like don't make it out of the first week or two weeks or whatever. Um, But I like it as a way to, I guess I should rewind. I have like this vision of a life that I want to create. And I I know to get to where I want to go, I need to really tackle one main thing kind of at a time. And once you get one thing going, it kind of goes on autopilot and then I can tackle the next thing and it goes on autopilot. So the yearly challenges are a way that helped me focus on what is something I want to do. And one of the things that I want vision in my life that I wanted to have was, for example, I wanted to learn how to draw and I'm very much uh, kind of a left brain guy. If you know, left brain is more like math, science, analytical, always on time, like that kind of logical thinking and right brain is classically like the creative, the arts and the music. And I had tapped into the left side of my brain most of my life, but this right side of the brain was woefully untapped. And it's something I wanted. I'm very interested where the arts and sciences overlap. And I think there was a significant overlap in arts and sciences. Uh, so yeah, 2019, I was like, okay, the challenge is to learn how to draw. 2020, the challenge was to try to learn how to make music. 2021 challenge is something I've actually, you know, neglected in life is I never want to do anything in my life for money. And it probably stemmed from a childhood where I watched. Uh, so I'm one of four boys and my dad started a business and put all the money, the little money that my parents had at that time. And he started in 1988. I was born in 1987. My youngest brother was born in 1990. My older brother was born in 85. Anyways, my parents had four kids under the age of five. My dad started a brand new business, put everything in it. Long story short is the first 10 years of my life, like the only memories I have of my dad is being gone, working, stressed to the hilt because he wants to provide for his family and make money and whatnot. So I think I had this thing in my head where it's like, I'm never going to do anything for money because I know it's going to lead to just being stressed, unhappy, whatever. I didn't want that. Um, but I, I had like this block, I think, that I equated money with being bad or something. So I've never tried to even make money. Every time I have made money, whether it be in my dental practice, it's gone into like a passion project or something that I can create, which I think is good. Um, but this year I was like, look, I'm going to tackle personal financial freedom this year. And because what I realized is by not having any money, if one thing goes wrong, I have to give up doing all the things that I'm passionate about doing that aren't making, like I can't draw. That's not making me any money. Music's not making me any money. <laughs> Podcasting and writing about health and research that I've basically just done for free for years is not making me any money. Um, and I have to give all these things up if something happens, right? And I have to go back to doing maybe, you know, trading time for money. So I was like, look, I'm going to get a hold of the 2021 goal is to get a hold of this through the lens of business and entrepreneurship. Because I really feel like to make a difference in the world, business is one of the best vehicles we have. Uh, if you want to really reach people, you know, I, business is one of the great vehicles, I think, to make a positive change in the world, or at least can be. So I have this company called NED, nasal EPAP dilator. It's a nasal device that I developed to help treat sleep disordered breathing. So it's an anti-snore device. Uh, And so that company, and then I have Meet Health, which started off just as a side project in 2017, where I was writing about all my research about meat and why I was doing what I was doing, et cetera, et cetera. And that company, now I created a program called Meat Health Academy that basically goes, you know, puts my 20 years of research everything i know about in nutrition fitness creating the body and health you want into a program basically 
15 hours. You could watch it in a weekend, condensed 20 years into, into a weekend in a program. So anyways, I got these two companies. My goal for 2021 was to each one of them do a million dollars in revenue this year, which is outlandish. Still seems crazy. We're halfway now through the not. year. Now it's ha- not. Ha- still haven't made really a dent in it, but you know, I, I, we're, we're working on it, but nonetheless, even if I failed, which is a high possibility, uh, it's one of those things where I was actually just on a podcast this morning where we were talking about this. It's like, if you shoot for the stars and you land short, but you still are making progress. And that's really what I'm all about is let's make, let's make progress. So that's 2021's goal. Our new year's challenge is more business entrepreneurship, creating some kind of financial freedom where I'm more free to not have to worry about not being able to do the things I'm passionate about and things I love doing. Well, you know what, Kevin, I had a good feeling <clears throat> that this might have been your your MO. And if I could share something with you that might be uh, of benefit. Uh, Please do. A, a huge number of the guests that I interview on here are motivational speakers, and they are the best in the business in many cases. They are speaker, um, Hall of Famers, you know, people like Les Brown and Mark Victor yeah. Hansen and like, uh, you, you know, my heroes. And yep. here's the here's the commonality, right? People like Bob Berg uh, and and John David Mann, who wrote The Go Giver, which is a book. Go Giver, great book. Love I'm it. so glad that you've read it. Right? They are all super successful, and when I say that, I mean in abundance, in mindset, in fulfillment, and in wealth. And 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 it's exactly right because the more abundance that we bring into to our lives, the more we can choose to help who we want and free up that time. And you know, I I really identify with that, uh, Kevin. I, I, Mum and Dad split up when I was young. Uh, there was no money around. We were poor, but we were we were. It was worse than that because we had a poverty mindset and there was no financial role models. I'm very happy to announce that. Like I've unlearned a lot of those negative mindsets and have now surrounding myself with these people that are super duper successful and had that fulfillment. And the Zig Zig, great Zig Ziglar, uh, and I've used this quote many times and I'll use it many more, many more times. He says, you can get whatever you want, Kevin, as long as you help enough other people get what they want. And yep, I love Zig. Uh, and so don't ever stop doing what you're doing because you the the value that I know that you have directly created and, and you've impacted people. I can't tell you the number of people that I've sent your 30 day, um, how to do the carnival. Thank guide you. To. I think over a thousand, it would be over a thousand. <laughs> and, and everyone that's taken heat is, is, you know, their, their life has improved exponentially. And the great thing is, uh, Mark Victor Hansen, who I interviewed recently, the chicken soup for the soul guy. Oh yeah. He, he wants to create a million millionaires. And and because when we when we create uh, wealth and abundance with other people, it lifts everyone collectively up, and that's exactly what this community's uh, for the most part really great at. And I think it comes down to the fact that we're healthy. What are your thoughts on that? I think well, I think you mentioned a lot of incredibly important things. One is you surround yourself with other people that think like that, which I think is one of the most powerful things that anyone can do to change their circumstance and the power of community and other people rubbing off on each other, I think is more important than almost anything. And I, you know, I've seen it in small ways, for example, like with my learn to draw challenge, 
it was just like, I joined this one program and they had like this group where you can, other people would submit their work and the, the instructor would like give feedback and things like that. But I was, so I got involved with this group and their standards. I was like, it opened my mind up to possibilities. I'm like, whoa, that is unbelievable. And that becomes more normal. And so what seemed like just absolutely unbelievable over time, you spend time in that community, it just becomes like a new normal. And my drawing started to elevate. And in the program I created, we have a mastermind. And the only reason I have that mastermind is because I know the power of having a community that how powerful it is, how, how, cause we become What's normal for some person to have a certain result is very strange for another person. And if that person wants that result, it needs to become more normal for that person. They need to see it as not like some astronomical change. Um, so yeah, I think there is this power in community that is very important. And one of the things that you know I've done that has helped me, and it sounds like you have done, is surround yourself with these people, whether like if you have the privilege of like interviewing them and things like that. But what I've done is just read their books, listen to audiobooks, always have them in my ear. Uh, to help me with that, like gain these different views and mindsets uh, of abundance. And because it's one of those things, like I realized that like, I probably had a block, like a, a financial block from my growing up, seeing like struggling, you have to work hard, you have to be stressed. It's money's not easy to come by, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Going after money is going to make you unhappy, stressed, whatever. When I think the truth is, like you said, it's kind of like you got to put the air mask on yourself first if you want to save anyone else around you. Um, and so, you know, I'm trying to take that to heart through a, a challenge to force myself to be like, look, let's get financial abundance. You can so you can help sure your own situation, you, but as well as it's going to help you be able to help other people. And that's why I think, you know, I talked about business and entrepreneurship being like a vehicle for good because at the heart of it, that's what a business is. It's a product or service for someone else to help someone else in exchange for that money value so that they can give it to more people. And so that's how businesses grow. Um, and so, yeah, that's kind of my thoughts around that. <laughs> well, uh, I'm going to ask you for um, any recommendations for amazing books that you've read, but I just want to share a little anecdote and I want to be really careful that I don't give away the identity of this person at all, but it's absolutely baller, right? Uh, a friend of mine who is setting up a business who is a very successful person, but for a number of reasons, doesn't have access to uh, a large um, percentage of his wealth, reached out to someone who is ridiculously wealthy, who's a friend of his, mm -hmm. off the back of uh, me in encouraging him to ask for the help that he needs, not so that he appears weak, but so he appears strong and can remain strong, which is a Les Brown quote. And the person replied back, how much, question mark, bank details. And I, Kevin, I just heard that and I got shivers down my spine. I was like, I want to, I'm going to be in that position where, if, you know, and I'm not talking about giving money to people, you know, just willy nilly, uh, you know, there has to be the context around it. But like, I want to be able to say how much bank details and like for it to not even be a thought and and i think you know when you surround like you say when you surround yourself with people that normalize this kind of behavior you you uh, you give yourself permission to really grow in a way that just you know this is really world class level stuff yep and and yeah. uh so uh, I hope people can can get something from that but i want to know your favorite books do you have any that you're reading at the moment that are really brilliant 
I, I've always been an avid, I shouldn't say always, I've been an avid reader for ever since I got out of school (laughs) is when I really started taking up the real education. Um, So I tend to find it most useful today to read a book that is immediately applicable. Now, that's not always necessary because I think just having some kind of positive message subconsciously changing your worldviews is always important. Uh, But like, for example, since my New Year's challenge is business and entrepreneurship uh, and really kind of like digital marketing is kind of where a lot of this is coming in. You know, I've been familiar with, I've read hundreds hundreds of business books. And I'm reading ones right now by uh, Russell Brunson, who's, you know, big in internet marketing. Basically, he's got a trilogy series you can just get for, you know, seven bucks a book, uh, which I think are full of excellent strategies and and things like that. Ways to look at business. But I, you know, I've read tons of interesting business books that, uh, you know, I can't even remember all of them offhand. I mean, there's certain books I've read many times, like Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, Mike Masterson's book, Ready, Fire, Aim. I haven't read it in a long time, but I read that book like, uh, like probably seven to 10 times. Like there's certain books that really resonated with me that I read many times. Uh, but it depends, I think, you know, where someone is in their life and where they want to be, the books I might read might be totally irrelevant for them, but there is a book that's probably perfect for them. Um, and finding those right books, uh, you know, it really depends on where someone wants to go. Uh, so, I mean, with regards to business, I think, you know, there's lots of, I mean, there's lots of fabulous business books. Like you mentioned the go-giver, which is kind of like, if you want to base the foundation, you need a, a reason. Like it's not, it's not full of like business tactics, but a business mindset that is super important. The books I'm reading right now are full of tactics, uh, which are very important as well as you want to get results. So uh, yeah, I mean, one of probably one of the best things that I could say is like, everyone should be a lifelong learner, reader, like the the, the ROI on that is infinite and it's it seems to be a direct for me at least a direct byproduct of being healthy and not having brain fog right uh, my reading list um, I'm it's it's a pretty accurate estimate but it's nearly 500 books now since in the last four and a half years and Whoa, that's and a, that, that's a lot and well what's happened Kevin is the podcast was created just over a year ago and out of respect for my guests I would read their books. And I wasn't able to read all of them because Mark Victor Hansen's released like 365, <laughs> but I've, I've read a good chunk of them and helps get a really good insight. Um, and so not only do I get the insight to be able to interview better, but I acquire that knowledge. And then when I wrote my own book, uh, I had a meeting with a with an editor the other day, this wonderful woman, Anne Shabani, who studied at Harvard, like amazing woman. And she said to me, when she when she heard a chapter, I read her to, uh, the first chapter of my book, and she was so complimentary. But she said, "Laban, it's really obvious that not only have you read a huge number of books, but you've retained that information as well." And this is the thing I love about this lifestyle, Kevin. Like my cognitive function for someone who failed high school twice, never even went to university, had no formal qualification, anything. I've turned into an absolute baller. And uh, and I say that with the greatest of humility, but it's just self-confidence that's sort of risen through me and has been combined with 
the removal of all negative self-talk. I never speak. You'll very rarely ever catch me saying anything negative or even using self-deprecating humor anymore. What are your thoughts on that? I think it's amazing. And you're right. The ability to not only just learn, but how health, being healthy, the mental ability to take in information, super important. But being healthy in order to take action on what you learn often is, I know many people have read lots of books, study, 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 and then no, no action on the other end. Um, I have this program. I could see, you know, what people have gone through the program, how far they are. And, you know, more people than I'd like get the program and don't make it to the end. And I'm like, you know, I have a 15 hour program. It's not insignificant, but you can watch me on two X speed and get it done in seven hours. And you got what I learned. It took me over two decades to get all this into there. Um, but being able to complete this, a book, a course a program and apply that, like having health only helps that learning spiral and, you know, accelerate that learning spiral. You know, it's the foundation of, of basically our whole lives is health, you know, until they, the saying is like, you know, so a healthy person has millions of dreams. An unhealthy person has one. Uh, so it's like, if you're a multi-billionaire laying on a private Island with, you know, all the women feeding you grapes or whatever you want, but you, you know, you can't move. You totally feel awful all the time. It doesn't matter. Health is what's going to matter at that, at that time. So, you know, health is really, it's kind of like this foundation, like you got to have the foundation of, and that's why I am so passionate about health, uh, is because we have all these other dreams, these things we want to do, but if you don't have the foundation, a lot of that is, you know, you can't make it happen. Uh, and I, I, I liken it to like, you know, driving a car, like you can, if your car is your health, you can have a junker. And if you do, you know, you might want to go real far, but that junker just keeps breaking down. Um, and you might probably don't like how it looks, whereas you can have a, a Ferrari where you like what it look, how it looks, you can slam on the gas pedal, you can go where you want to go, you can go fast, you can go far, and you can explore all that this life has to offer. But really, that foundation is the health, okay, so you got to have the health, and then we can chase all these other dreams, the whole, you know, the reason that we're here, right? I'm not, I'm not just here to just try and focus all my energy on having a healthy body that's safe and lives forever. No, that that's the foundation to do everything else. Uh, but you know, a scary amount of people are just missing that foundation, which is, you know, limits their lives and their potential and what they're going to experience. And to me, that's tragic to me. That's like the greatest fear. You know, if I'm not able to live to my potential and do the things and experience the things that I want to experience throughout this life, um, like to me, that's my greatest fear. And so it's like, look, I got to have a strong vehicle that is able to go fast and far and, and go, go, go. So Kevin, would you be happy to share what your audacious life goal is with our audience? So my life goal, it's 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 interesting. So we can re- kind of rewind the clock a little bit. I remember I was 26 years old. And so I was just out of dental school and I started my own practice treating, you know, s- just specifically dental sleep medicine, which is very niche. I'm pretty sure no one's ever done this crazy. So it was already kind of a crazy move. move. Uh, but I'm sitting in my office and a patient didn't show up. And so I was just sitting there. I had basically an hour to kill. And I let, kind of let just let my imagination run. I'm like, if I can be anywhere in the world doing anything, would I be sitting here in this office doing this? 
And of course the answer to that was no, you know, I'd rather be doing this or this or this. Um, and so then I, you know, I have, I let kind of my imagination run, create a fantasy life. And I basically asked myself a subsequent question was, well, why am I not doing these things and living this life? And it's easy to make a lot of excuses to be like, ah, because of this, 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 this. And I have lucky enough to have read enough books at that time and had the perception to know a lot of my excuses were just bullshit. It's like, I compared to many people who have done this, 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 and this, I'm actually pretty privileged. I'm in a better spot off than they were. And they achieved X, Y, Z. Why could I not do it? The bottom line was it's just some fear that is the reason I'm not going for this or this or this. So I just remember on that day, I'm like, all right, we're going to create this fantasy life. And the fantasy life is not, it's, it's, it's more around like activities. And so now I'm actually, you know, however many years later, this is not quite 10 years later, but I'm doing, I'm living the life that I dreamed of back then. Now, not yet all of the exterior, you know, wealth isn't there. I'm not living in the mansion or on the island yet or whatever, but uh, I'm doing the things that I want to do. I am reading every day. I'm writing, I'm researching, I'm getting to talk with people like yourself. Uh, I'm running some businesses, which I exactly wanted to do with people I wanted to work with. I wanted to be able to wake up. And if I felt like, you know, just relaxing and drawing a picture, I have the ability to draw now. And if I felt, if I woke up with a song in my head, I now have the ability, I can just, you know, sit here, I got my piano right here. I can start creating a song. So uh, a lot of what my dream life was, was freedom to do the things I want to do, which for me, a lot of it is creative. I, I feel most alive when I'm creating something, whether it's like a business idea or if it's a song or if it's a piece of art, or if it's just sitting with a, you know, business partners and creative brainstorming together, uh, that's when I'm most alive. So I want to have the freedom to put myself in as many creative positions as I can and to be able to do what I want when I want with my time. So if I wake up and it's like, look, I just don't want to do anything today. I want to just you know, just, if I just want to do nothing, I want the freedom to do that. Uh, and so in, in many ways, a lot of these dreams have come true. Um, the one thing that really hasn't has been like the financial one. I still kind of like, if, if I had to like go to the emergency room and had like some cancer or something like that, I'd probably be in trouble. Um, so that's why the 2021 goal is what it is. Start making moves towards, you know, more of financial freedom. And then I think I, you know, I'll truly be living my dream life to like, which is just free to create and give and learn and repeat that cycle. <laughs> I, I really love that, Kevin, and I respect that tremendously. And, and I can identify with a lot of a lot of what you're talking about there. And uh, one thing I would disagree with is uh, if you got cancer, uh, two things, um, maybe some dry fasting, but uh, if it, depending on what it was, if you think about who you know and who you have in your network now, because of this community, I know that I can draw upon any of those relationships to get to get help, and, and someone will be able to help me. Um, I want to share something with you, uh, and and this might be a bit, like for anyone listening, this might, this will be a benefit to you as well. I recently enrolled in this course with a guy from Australia called Pat Nassetti, and it was incidentally off the back of the interview I did with Mark Victor Hansen. Uh, we had to rush out the podcast because he was. Um, promoting this this um, free webinar with uh, with Pat Massetti. Pat Massetti is a comes from a really interesting rough background and and came good 
he's like in his 50s, I think now, and he's a wealth creator. And so for the very same reason that you want to generate these million-dollar businesses, I've spent my last money on this course, right? And there's just some some uh, quotes that I wrote down that I think would be really beneficial for everyone, and yourself included, Kevin. He says, I will not take advice from my fear. Fear kills income. Fear is a liar. Comfort is a prison, and it kills and it kills income. Don't share your dreams with someone that doesn't have one. He said, he said personally, he said, I've never met a hater or a troll doing better than me, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, this one's really profound. I am not a problem to be fixed. I am not a problem to be fixed. I am an experience to be had. Uh and the last one, honor is magnetic and attractive. Honor is magnetic and attractive. And and Pat Massetti, uh, Massetti.com, M-E-S-I-T-I. I highly recommend it. Uh, I love guy. those. Yeah. I, I love those. I had a, a quote that is stuck in my head for a long time is, rarely will ever anyone criticize you that is doing more than you. And so if I am ever tempted to criticize anyone or anything, I'm always like, wait, is that person like doing more than me? I was critical of Elon Musk recently. And I'm like, well, hold on a second. That guy's doing a lot. So I <laughs> was that after he uh, went on about the energy users from Bitcoin and your Bitcoin portfolio went through the floor? Yeah, because I felt <laughs> like this, the statements he made around Bitcoin were either ill-informed or, or you know, which you know, would shock me if his opinions are ill-informed. I mean, the company that he runs put one and a half billion dollars into Bitcoin. I think he'd done a little bit like his research. Uh, but yeah, the, his comments around Bitcoin seemed either ill-informed or maybe there's an ulterior agenda or maybe some government agencies like, hold on. And so yeah. then, you know, Elon Musk to me has never been the one to be a puppet to anyone. You know, SEC says do something, he kind of st sticks the middle finger out to him. And I think that's why a lot of people like him. He's very much an independent thinker and, and not going to just do what some authority is going to tell him to do. Um, but yeah, that's why I was critical of him. But I was like, hold on, don't be too critical. This guy's doing a lot. Can't say I'm at that level. So, yeah. Um, yeah, it's spot on. And incidentally, I mean, look how much wealth he has and, and that wealth frees him up from the tyranny of uh, puppetry, you know. Um, a good friend of mine who I'd, I'd love to introduce you to, Kevin, uh, she was referred to me by Dr. Chris Kenobi. She's a nutritional deficiency expert, uh, an iron deficiency expert, um, Lisa Emerson. She's a scientist and she's a, a, an animal and human nutrition expert. She sent me a photograph. Um, we've become quite good friends. We're very good friends, in fact. She sent me this photograph of uh, two people from an advertisement, which must have been in the 60s. And it was um, they were both smoking cigarettes, male and female. It's like, how do these people stay so slim? And it was like diet tab soda. And um, tab is uh, one of the most famous brands of soda in North America. And, and yeah, it's like a Coca-Cola type equivalent, I would have thought. Is that right? Yeah. And 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 I just thought about it when I looked at the, the picture and I was like, people now, I certainly did, were looking back at that picture thinking, how naive were we back then, right? It's going to be no different with the benefit of retrospect. And the reason I share that with you is that 
that comment regarding uh, you know our knowledge. I, I had Professor Barry Marshall on, who's a Nobel Prize winning gastroenterologist. He's the guy that swallowed the Helicobacter pylori uh, to prove that it wasn't spices and caffeine that caused ulcers. <clears throat> and I I had knowledge that he wasn't able to that he didn't. And and it's not a slight on on Professor Marshall at all, but it was regarding the fact that I haven't had any fiber in my diet for the last three years. And, and and I wanted to know, I wanted him to explain if he could some of the other stuff that's been going on. And he didn't know. And so here's someone who has a Nobel Prize in his field who doesn't know something that I feel like I've got a reasonable grasp on why it works, right? I'm not so arrogant to say that I've got the answers, but I think that's a really important distinction. Like, and when we when we realize that as human beings, we can develop to a point where we can add value in people that we put on a pedestal and really normalize those levels. So I see myself as a peer now to everyone that I meet rather than a, a sycophantic, um, subservient, you know, the master-slave relationship. And I was just curious to know your thoughts on that. I think that's, I try and view everyone through that lens because like you said, everyone I meet, there's something I can learn from someone. Uh, and like you just said, there's so much that we don't know as much as I feel like I've gone down the rabbit hole in nutrition, something I am always talking about, especially when it comes, like you mentioned, like a microbiome, I'm like, the only thing we know about the microbiome is basically how much we don't know about it at this stage. Uh, and so hundred percent, like I'm, I tend to be, I think I would consider myself quite open-minded and I make conclusions from evidence and research to the best I can. Uh, but there's a saying that I like is have strong opinions loosely held. And so I, I like to get to a point where, you know, if I'm trying to help someone, I want to make sure that I have done my due diligence where I feel like I can have a strong opinion, but not so strong that I'm closed-minded to alternatives. Uh, and so that's, that's how I feel like is a good place to operate where, you know, if you just closed-minded, that's a huge blind spot. I mean, that's just waiting to get wrecked. Um, but if you're just, if you don't make decisions, that's equally as bad. You need to try and, you know, wade through what's going to work, what's not going to work. Uh, and so that's kind of a motto that, you know, I've, I've used to guide decisions and frameworks and ways to think about things. What is something that you've learned relatively recently that's altered your whole outlook on life or close Ooh. enough to it? Could be around, around the carnival diet or. Um, nutritionally, you know, like, what about fru I, I, fru fructose? What about fructose? Yeah, Paul Saladino has been reintroduced honey and uh, seems to think it's. I, th I think, I mean, I haven't changed my mind much around that yet. I think I kind of stood from the point that we can eat some of these natural plant based foods. By natural, they are quite unnatural compared to ancestral versions of these fruits and such. And we eat them in quantities that are unnatural. Um, however, the body has ways of dealing with certain amount of fructose and being able to eat some, some amount of honey, certain amount of fruits, certain amount of plants, uh, if they're, especially if they're prepared properly. Um, but I think it's easily overdone. Most of the world is woefully on the other side of that spectrum. Um, and 
so I, I don't, I'm not going to say that's a, something I've changed my mind about strictly. Um, it's, it's kind of a position I've held for, you know, at least four or five years now. Uh, before that, I would say, you know, kind of my awakening period was kind of what I talked about earlier. It's like, okay, this is what got me fitness, but it didn't get me health. How can I get health and fitness? And that's where the red meat and the dramatic reduction elimination of plant-based foods uh, was kind of, well, I mean, it's a, it was quite a tremendous paradigm worldview shift. Uh, and the only way that was possible is because I had a corner of my mind that I left open. I'm like, I was very much like, look, I don't want to say overly confident, but someone could come to me in any shape. And I'm like, look, this is just a matter of science. I can, I, you can lose fat. Like, it's not like maybe we can lose the fat. It was like, there was no question. I was like, this is how, how it's done. A, B, C, D. Uh, but there was more to the story at that time because I could have got them the body they wanted, but if they felt terrible and they felt deprived and they, you know, were suffering and couldn't get it to stick. Well, then that was a very, would be a very mild success. Now I feel much more confident that I could help someone not only get the body they want, but also maintain it for life and feel good and, you know, have the whole health and fitness part of it. Um, so it's a good question. It's one that I have to think harder about. What have I learned recently that has changed my out view on things? I'll tell you the one thing, and I think I've known it for a, a, a while, but I've really faced it head on is this 2021 challenge is that I've had blocks around financial freedom and probably fears around money and equating money with being bad or money, not with being bad, but being stressed and not living happy. Cause I know it's like, if you work your whole life and you're stressed and you're miserable and you get money as a result of that, that's not worth it. You don't want to trade your month, your, your life for money. Like, no money should be a tool to, you know, enrich your life and rich life, life of others. Um, so although I was recognized that really internalizing it now is, you know, kind of the process I'm on this year with my 2021 challenge. Uh, so I think it's, you know, if I had to answer that question, it'd be a paradigm shift around, you know, finances and, and abundance in that kind of mindset. The, the Pat Mercedes course is going to be right up your alley. <laughs> I promise you that. It's it's uh, so brilliant because it's um, I mean like a lot of these speakers they they allow they give you permission and it, it it's almost Kevin like it becomes a burden of responsibility for you to create that abundance so that you can then choose to sure. help you know yeah exactly right exactly what the go giver does and and uh, and it's just the the abundance that has flown forth into my life over the last. 12 months is like I mean, my life has been very blessed, but is is almost seems unfair at times. And I don't honestly, I don't think that. I don't resent any of it. I do give a lot. And and I and I and it, but it fills my cup. So that's why it feels a bit selfish. And uh it's just I've been able to witness some extraordinary things. And, and you know, when this book comes out, Kevin, like I've I've been able to get endorsements from well, I'll share this. Mark Victor Hansen endorsed my book, who's yeah. the world's number one nonfiction writer, half a billion books sold. Yeah. And, and you know, for also John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. Yeah. Like, uh, who the fuck am I? <laughs> like, that's, a, that's amazing. See? <laughs> so, and, and, uh, and anyone can do this. I, I like, I don't, I'm not going to diminish myself in any way, but I think when you get yourself healthy, and you surround yourself 
with the right people, like you say, and you're putting the right information in your mind, uh, all of this becomes abundantly clear and uh, certainly has to me. And sounds like it's what's happened to you as well. Well, you say that and it's really interesting. One of the main reasons I share things in a newsletter and on social media and maybe one of the purposes behind why I do the things that I do, one of my quote unquote missions in life um, is I feel like I am extraordinarily average. Like I was born average intelligence, average middle class, had no real natural talents or abilities or skills or anything like that. Like just average Joe is like, and so I thought if I can create a life that seems fairy tale like not average Joe kind of life, then maybe it will inspire someone, the vast majority of people that probably feel like average. We weren't blessed with special genetics or special IQ abilities or anything like that. Um, to be like, look, if average Joe Kevin can do X, Y, Z, there's no reason I can't. And I'll, there's a lot of people that filled that role for me. Like I told you the books that I read that kind of gave me the confidence to say, look, Kevin, you don't have any reason to have excuses not to do X, Y, Z. This person over here who was average or below average did it. Why can't you do it? You don't have any excuses. Um, and so, you know, that's one of the motivations I have for sharing it with other people. And other people have told me, it's like, Hey, thanks because you know, you're so average and I was better off, better off than you. I knew I could take the dive and do X, Y, Z. And so that's one of the reasons that I do things. And it's like, I feel like most people probably feel like they're average or below average or don't have special gifts, but would shock themselves. And I believe have capabilities beyond what they believe beyond what I think is possible for myself um, would really shock themselves with, with what people are capable of. Um, and so that's just, you know, one of the reasons why I try and share more of myself than I'm even comfortable with. Cause I'm kind of a private person naturally, but not really, you know, if I could just turn off all social media apps, I would probably just do, do that. Um, but I think in order for me to, to give as much as I can is why I, I try and make things more public. Oh, I, I love that, Kevin. The uh, like owning my demons publicly has been my greatest therapy, right? So now I've, I've you do something long enough, you become comfortable. So now I don't give a fuck, right? And when the book comes out, it's explosive, right? Because <laughs> it doesn't leave anything uh, covered up. Um, here's a 12 month challenge that you and all our audience can try starting right today, all right? You're under no obligation to do this, but here's what I would recommend. In addition to all the other amazing stuff you're doing, eliminate all negative self-talk out of your vernacular. And what I mean by that is self-deprecating humor, prevalent in the UK and Australia and New Zealand as well, where you are demeaning yourself, oh, I'm stupid, oh, I'm no good at that, whatever. Catch yourself and, and you, you know, it might take a little while, but if you can eliminate that, I promise you, your self-confidence will go through the roof because all we're doing is reprogramming our subconscious that we're average or we're no good or we, I could never be world-class. I could never speak to Nobel Prize winners. I could never, you know, get my book forward written by Les Brown, I, you know, all this other stuff. And and uh, and what happens, well, what, certainly what I've noticed is that I am, I've become hyper-conscious of how other people talk about themselves. And so if the, if it's, if the moment's right, I will, uh, you know, hey, why don't you try 
talking about yourself in, in a way that's going to level you up and and report back to me in 12 months and see how you go because that would be very fascinating. I love it. So what practical ways did you start? What, is it just strictly use awareness, try and watch your thoughts? And then if you catch yourself with a thought that's self-deprecating, say, oh, don't do that. Is that it? Or did you use some kind of tactical means to catch them? How, how, do, how do you how do you cut them out? Because I, you know, I've read many books on positive thinking, et cetera, and that, and I think really, if you can do it, probably life changing. I feel like it's difficult because it's hard to have; it's not tangible. Okay, so there's a great example, right? And it's a really great question because I've never been asked that, and, and you've made me think, and I think I've come up with an answer. Um, little things like saying it's really difficult. Find another way of saying that that is the opposite. And I suppose, Kevin, it stemmed from uh, the only writing that I had really done is I had a, a couple of attempts at some amateur comedy for the uh, Raw Comedy Festival that they have over here in, in Australia. And uh, and I just wanted to do it to see whether I could do it. And, um, and I look back at the footage and so much of it is self-deprecating humor. And, and, uh, mm. and, you know, that was just indicative of the group that I would associate with and we all thought it was funny and, but it's not, it's not. And, uh, cause there's a truth in it. And the reason a lot of that self-deprecating humor is funny is because there is some kind of line of truth that they believe. And so I can see that. I mean, there's a direct connection there. Yeah. And, uh, and, and all you're doing, right. Like you're reprogramming that subconscious, which, which runs 95% of our life. Right. And and so in terms of practical uh, techniques, here's a great quote that I heard. I forget who said it, but uh, treat yourself like someone you really care about. And you should do that in all areas of your life. Treat someone, treat yourself like someone you really care about. Would I say that to my friends, to my mum or my best mate or my younger sibling? And you, you might say that if you're a shit bloke, but... Uh, <laughs> if you're a reasonable human being, you won't. And uh, and give yourself permission to make mistakes, but just become conscious of it. And, and what will happen, you'll start attracting higher quality people that, that resonate with better language. And the difference of my circle of friends now versus five years ago, they're not even in the same boat. And uh, it's not that the other people are bad people. It's just that we've just grown apart does it i don't I know relate that- to that yeah i can relate to that i what was actually hard for me is the noticeable shift in my life that came probably around when i was in dental school and long story short kind of became more self-determined like i'm not just going to follow some path like because i felt like i just followed the standard path like you need to go to high school and get good grades to get into a good college you need to get grades in college so you can go to professional school go through professional school you're going to be a dentist set up a practice but xyz have a wife three kids white picket fence etc <laughs> yeah. and i felt like i was just like oh that's what i'm supposed to do society's telling me that right and i feel like i just jumped off that path sometime in my early 20s uh and it's very clear that after i jumped off that path there was the divide between you know, the, all my old friends. And for a long time, there was just an absence of other people because I just didn't know anyone else who was thinking 
like dreaming and had dreams and wanted to do things not the way society would recommend you do things, you know, take a risk on this and do this and not want to settle for that. Um, so for a long time, it's like, I, and even still, it's not like I have like a huge swarm of friends that, you know, that I hang out with, because I feel like the kind of mindset and life that you're, you're living in an example of is a minority mindset. Not most people have that mindset. So it's harder to relate and basically have that camaraderie of similar worldviews with other people because there's just fewer people that think like you. Um, and so I, one of the hard things in my shift was like, okay, I'm okay being alone. Um, and I had friends in, in the terms of books and things like that. Um, but there is like, a, you know, I personally experienced a, a, a significant divide from, you know, the people I hung out with in college and high school and, you know, the parties and drinking and whatnot, uh, to someone that was not going to do something the way that society is, you know, expects a dentist to do for sure. Like I'm probably have the strangest dental career in maybe the history of dental careers. Uh, so so yeah, what you're saying is real and it's super important. It's probably, I need something, I need to make a more conscious effort, you know, to befriend people like yourself and spend more time with people with yourself. Like, this is great. And I feel like, you know, have more of these people like yourself in my area that I could spend more time with would just, you know, take me, keep, keep going to the next level. A, a mentor of mine, Carolyn Stenhouse, who really encouraged me to get into speaking said to me that people come into our lives for a reason, a season, or a lifetime, which is really ironic because we don't speak anymore. And uh, that might change in the future. And when that relationship sort of drifted apart, uh, it was kind of, it was tough for me to sort of um, understand, you know, asking the universe what what was going on. And then when I when I sort of thought about that statement, I was like, okay, all right, well, that's just the, the, the universe. You know, whatever you believe in, uh, I think there's this this underlying confidence that I have that the universe will uh, work itself out if I'm doing the right things, and that's the great that's the great uh, mindset that I've developed. I'm not religious at all, Kevin, but I've become very spiritual, and and I know that if I follow the laws of whatever, if we're, if we're in a simulation or whatever it is that we're in, right, I feel like I've figured out a number of those the laws. And, and this law of abundance mindset and giving and uh, are, are working. They are working. And, you know, you'll, you'll grow a little bit and you'll have the circle of friends and then you'll move over here and all of a sudden. But those the more true to yourself you can be, the higher quality people that you'll attract. And, and this might be beneficial. This is some more stuff more that Pat Massetti was talking about. And this is really geared at people that aren't living their purpose. And, and I'm really blessed that I figured out my reason for being on this planet. It took me to get to 38, 39, but Do I'm Do you mind so, sharing it? Oh, 100. Yeah, I, lo- I, I love talking about this stuff. So I know, I know, Kevin, that my reason for being on this planet is to become the world's most positively influential speaker. Wow. Wow. I love that. That's a powerful statement. And I feel it. I feel it like courses through my veins when I when I say that. And it, it's and I, I think because I've cleared all the distractive crap in the terms of the escapism and the drugs and the alcohol and the gambling and the other sex and stuff, 
that it, like I've become way more in tune with my vibrational frequency, right? Whether you believe in this stuff or not. Like I would have laughed in your face five years ago if I'd been having this conversation, right? But Pat says, what do you find effortless that other people find difficult? What do you find effortless that other people find difficult? I, this is effortless for me, Kevin. I don't know. It would be most people's worst nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, second question, what do people ask me for help with? What do people ask me for help with? And it might take a little while to get the juices flowing, but think about it. What energizes me? Really important. And then the last one, what might, what would my ideal job be, right? And uh, and I think if you can answer those questions, and it might take you a little while, uh, you'll just you'll you'll head down that path. And because you're doing what you are destined to do, it doesn't feel like work. And so your productivity yep. levels go through the roof. What are your thoughts on that? I love those questions. I've heard someone else say that, especially the first one um, before. Uh, what do you find effortless that other people, it seems like work to other people and you, it's like, it's play. What is play to you? It's work to other people. It's a good thing. Uh, one thing that I would add, because I had struggled with this because I asked, I, maybe this is weird. I don't know, but maybe people do ask these, their self these questions from a young age. I was asking myself these questions and I felt bad because I couldn't figure out an answer. And it became clear to me that for me, for example, I watched a, a, just an example. I watched a documentary a year ago or so with, uh, with Senna, who's a famous great yeah, race Senna. car driver. Yeah, yeah. And Senna, all he did was all he wanted to do was drive, race, drive his race car when he was awake. That's all he was thinking about. He was either thinking about it, planning, doing it, breathing it. He was sleep. He was dreaming about it. Uh, and and he was he knew his purpose. It was easy. That was it. Lots of people like this, probably, you know, LeBron James, anyone that's number one in their field, probably very similar. And I felt bad because there was nothing I could find. And this came clear to me in dental school. I was because I asked myself, like, would I be happy being a dentist doing drip fillings and crowns, you know, eight hours a day, five days a week for 40 years? And the answer was hell no. Um, that's <laughs> that's not fulfilling to me. But what I didn't realize till later that, you know, and maybe this will change over time. But right now, there's nothing that I could do all day long that is going to fulfill me. For example, I love working out. And I love working out for one hour a day, not eight hours a day. I love <laughs> like I love reading. I love researching. I love writing. I would not want to do those things eight hours a day every day. I love drawing. I've learned to love drawing. Don't want to do that eight hours a day. Music. Don't want to do it eight hours a day. Love doing it for an hour or two a day here or there. Um, so basically, it's a long way of me saying that there's so much that I love doing. But it, I, for me, it has to be, it's it's more about the co quality, not quantity so much. So one hour of really diving deep into research and writing. And then I'm like, all right, I'm done with that. Now I can go into my next passion thing, this next passion. And it seems very ADHD. This guy doesn't have any focus. And that's why I felt bad about it for a long time. I felt kind of guilty. It's like, man, I know the way to, you know, becoming number one or being the best or being, you know, is laser focused, block out everything else out. And I knew I, there was like nothing because I, I was like, there's nothing that's going to 
that's going to do that for me. As a kid, you could have asked someone like in high school, like, Oh, what's Kevin going to do? And I was very much into the fitness, like research, writing, working out, but I didn't want to be a personal trainer. I know I'd have been very unhappy if I was uh, doing personal training eight hours a day. Um, but that doesn't mean I, I, like, I, I still have the passion for health and fitness and I am reading books. I'm reading research. I'm writing every day about it. Uh, but I'm not doing it eight hours a day. And I'm not doing it seven days a week, eight hours a day for 40 years. So long answer short is for me, it is, you know, I, I feel like everyone has a different purpose. Someone like you that just knows that it's clear. This is it. That's amazing. I'm jealous of people like you. I think there's other people that maybe more like me, where it's maybe not one thing, but maybe you like to do five things and you can do that, those five things. Uh, but you got to give them the due diligence. You got to, you got to be serious about it. You got to, you know, go into them. Uh, but it doesn't have to be all consuming. So that's kind of how, you know, I've given myself the permission to be unfocused. Uh, even though I feel very focused on all my things, it's just not the only thing. Uh, and when I gave myself permission to explore all my desires and all my potentials and all these other areas is when I really started feeling like free. And I really started feeling like I was becoming more myself, like, Oh, this is, I'm, I'm discovering who I am and what I love and how I want to live and what goals I want to go after. And it wasn't until I gave myself permission to be a little bit, you know, scatterbrained that, you know, that became, that came to life. So just another perspective on it. it, it well, it's really important because I think uh, people, you know, let's, let's, if, if you took me back five years and I was listening to this, I'd be like, oh man, like what's well, easy for you to say, like you're, you're sort of heading that direction. I worked really hard, really hard, and I tried a lot of things, a lot. And and you've got to put yourself out there and got to make yourself available and be vulnerable as fuck because that's the only way that you'll figure this out. And then, incidentally, it ended up being the most obvious thing right in front of me. It's something that I was, I've been doing and interested in my whole life. But I needed to go through the transformational part of my journey to get my shit sorted so I could focus on doing what I actually love doing, Right. So that's why the importance of reading books like The Go-Giver and, you know, Ask and Chicken Soup for the Soul and whatever else, like you've got to empower yourself with this knowledge. Um, I'm sure people might be listening to this thinking, well, why do you need to be number one, Laban? Because why would you settle for anything less? Why would you want to go for third best, most influential speaker on the planet? It doesn't make any sense. So, and, and even when I was talking to Mark Victor Hansen, I was like, I'm coming for you, Mark. I'm coming for you. The guy sold like 500 million books. He's had more number ones than I've had hot dinners, right? And he just said, Laban, I love that. He said, I want that. We need more people to do like that. If I take a breath, I'm not depriving you of oxygen. There's enough oxygen to all level us up. And that just, that really resonated deeply with me. So I'm confident, uh, Kevin, like you are very close. You are very close. And maybe this might be the catalyst to help you be brave, you know, have those dino balls and, and level up. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Kevin, uh, I'm sure that we could talk about all this stuff all day. I, I'm, I'm loving this, by the way, uh, but I'm very conscious of your, uh, your, your hectic um, schedule. Uh, where can people find you? They can find me. Well, I'd say the best thing is my favorite thing is the, is the Saturday seven newsletter. So I just, the best of what I have is in that I'm on all the social media platforms and whatnot. Uh, I have a website, kevinstock.io where people can 
you know, read nutrition and writing, sign up for the newsletter, whatnot. And I also run meat health, meat.health. Uh, that's the URL meat.health, uh, which, you know, goes strictly just about meat-based diets, how to do them, what to look out for. That's where they get the 30 day guide and much more than that as well. So, so who, uh, who, does a, that, who does that suit? What, what individual does that really suit? Do you think meat.health? Yeah. Uh, it suits anyone thinking about doing a meat-based diet, anyone that's into it and having any kind of issues, anyone that is doing it feeling great. And yet wants to still get improved body composition a little bit. It pretty much suits anyone except for those that even if even these people, but if someone's doing a meat-based diet, they feel great. They look great. They have no questions. They have no concerns. You're doing it right. All right. Yeah. You don't need anything from me. Just keep doing read it anyway. Doing. Read it anyway. Just keep doing what you're doing. Uh, so yeah, that's it, it. There's something for all levels there. Really. The whole goal is to take anyone from this level to this level, if, if that's where they want to go. Well, we'll, uh, we'll put the links below uh, on the YouTube and for the people in the show notes for the, for the podcast. Uh, I want to, I want to like keep learning and uh, cause I, you know, I don't think anyone's fully nailed it. I don't know anyone that would ever be arrogant enough to say they've fully nailed it. So you can always learn something, you know, I learned something really interesting the other day. I interviewed Tucker Goodrich. Uh, I don't know if you know that name. Um, he's a, an American guy who uh, had um, what he thought was a stroke at 38, and it was end, end up being reclassified, re, reclassified as a, a migraine. And what it was, he had this horrendous intolerance to linoleic acid and omega-6 um, from seed oils, right? And so he's uh, he's got a lot of the same insights from Paul Saldana and Chris Kenobi and these other doctors, right? Mm-hmm. And he was on an interview with Dave Gornsky, who's got his own channel. Uh, and they were interviewing these really smart guys, uh, professors, and they were talking about, I don't, I don't want to get the number wrong, but I think it might be a little bit out. It's like 75% of all the medication sold by weight in North America blocks the omega-6 pathway and uh, i might be saying that wrong what it does what they figured out is that excessive amounts of omega-6 and linoleic acid cause inflammation or it blocks the it blocks the inflammatory pathway so when you take an advil or a panadol or whatever it is it's basically blocking that that inflammatory uh pathway does that make sense yep and i was just like holy shit so like all of the chronic disease, or well, by the sounds of it, is due to excessive amounts of omega six or linoleic acid, which is all the seed oils and all the processed shit. Was it, is it Tucker Goodrich? Is that who you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What did Tucker I say? Tucker Goodrich. Yeah, no, I'm sorry, you said his name, and I and I was like, oh, wait, I know that name, Tucker. Yes, I know, I know Tucker. You started talking about seed oils, and I was going to first thing I always t- talk about is Tucker Goodrich because he does. fabulous research on seed oils. One of the things I tell people like, look, if you want to take your your health to the next step, just first thing, if you want to do one thing, stop eating seed oils. Okay. Full stop, cut the seed oils out of here. They should not be eating those. Uh, Yeah. Tucker, he's awesome. Yeah. So uh, maybe I'll put that show in the the thing that that's fascinating, quite technical, but uh, yeah, he's a, he's a real, real smart guy. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing individual. Um, Do you have any concluding thoughts for our, audience today, Kevin? 
I mean, we could conclude thoughts on all kinds of things. I think uh, kind of at the heart of things, because most people who know me are at least come to me through generally nutrition. And to me, nutrition is more than now, much more than just, you know, getting the body you want. And it's more than just feeling good, but it's more this base that we were talking about earlier. My concluding thoughts is that why people should really take health, like their number one priority is because it really is the engine that's driving the life. And people aren't listening to this show unless they want, like they're achievers. They want the best life. They want their potential. And, you know, I'm right there with you. Good for you. And if you want to reach that potential, the only way it's possible is if you optimize your health, you know, if you make it a priority, make your sleep priority, make sure you're breathing through your nose. Uh, we didn't talk much about sleep, but super important, breathe through your nose, get good sleep, um, get your diet right. And this will be the foundation. This will give you the engine to, you know, not only chase your dreams, achieve your dreams, live the life that you want to live, reach your potential. And, you know, that's what it, that's the core thing for me. I think it's probably like a core thing for a lot of your listeners as well Is like, look, we're, we're here. We're humans on this planet for a limited amount of time. I want to get all that I can out of it. And if you want to get all you can out of it, you got to take care of the vehicle that's going to, that you're running around this planet on. Um, and you know, there's some key things that, that you can do to take care of, you know, that vehicle and the understanding that meat is a foundation of, you know, our human body, that's, that's the foundation nourishment. Let's get rid of the junk. That's going to hurt us. Things like the seed oils, things like excessive sugar consumption, uh, you know, just those two things can make the world of a different difference in, in someone's, you know, health and ultimately their life. So that would be my concluding message. If I had to say, take care of the temple, the, the vehicle, the body that you're, you know, that you're taking around with you on this journey. Um, so you can get the most out of it. Ladies and gentlemen, Dr. Kevin Stuck. <laughs> well, thank you for having me on. It's been, you know, a delight talking with you. It's Laban Ditchburn, and I really hope you're enjoying the podcast. The reason for this message was this. If you have your own podcast or your own YouTube channel, or you're seriously thinking about starting something up in order to get your message out into the world, I want to make something available to you. Go to podcastingheroes.com for your free five-day video training well i will share with you five key tips and tricks that will allow you to reach out and connect with the best podcast guests available and not only just bring them on but to develop relationships with them that build into know like and trust that will eventuate in you being invited onto their platforms if you so desire you'll be able to learn how to monetize even if you don't have a big audience go to podcastingheroes.com it's p-o-d-c-a-s-t-i-n-g H-E-R-O-E-S dot com.